welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's guest is Dr. Emma Stokes. Dr. Stokes is the head of the newly established Department of Physiotherapy and Rehabilitation Science at Qatar University. She has worked in education for almost 25 years and is on leave from Trinity College Dublin, where she is an associate professor and fellow. Her research and teaching focuses on professional practice issues for the profession. She has taught and lectured in over 40 countries around the world. In 2015, she was elected to serve as president of the World Confederation for Physical Therapy. She was re-elected for a further four years in 2019. She has experience as a member and chair of boards in Ireland internationally uh, in a diversity of settings, including education, health, research, and regulation. Now, today's episode was recorded from a Facebook Live interview for the Third World Congress of Sport Physical Therapy, which will be in Vancouver, Canada, October 4th and 5th, so it's coming up, so if you didn't get your ticket, I highly suggest you get it now, and Emma will be one of the featured speakers at the Third World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy. So in this episode, we talked about her journey to becoming president of WCPT, takeaways from the World Confederation for Physical Therapy Congress in Geneva, that was a couple months ago, constructive feedback, and the 360 review, and how to grow your professional network with the two up, two down, and two sideways rule, which is a great rule. I absolutely loved it. So everyone, enjoy today's episode. And like I said, if you have not gotten your uh, ticket yet for the Third World Congress of Sport Physical Therapy in Vancouver on October 4th and 5th, get it today. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another interview. We've got some people on. Another interview for the... Third World Congress on Sports Physical Therapy, which is happening in Vancouver, October 4th and 5th of 2019. And we've been interviewing a lot of the speakers. And today, we're really excited and honored to have Dr. Emma Stokes, who will be in Vancouver with us. So, Dr. Stokes, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you again, Karen. It's always a pleasure. I know, I know. I I just saw you in... uh, Yeah. uh, Switzerland, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But before we get into all of that, just in case there are some people who are maybe not familiar with you, which maybe there are, I don't know. I'm sure there are many that aren't. But can you uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, of course. Well, look, I'm an Irish physiotherapist. Um, I'm sitting in Trinity College in Dublin, um, where I have the privilege of spending a lot of my professional life. So I qualified as a physiotherapist in 1990. And let's just fast forward to eight years after I qualified, I went to my first international meeting and you know, I tell the story wherever I go in the world, which is, you know, I, I went to that meeting and I came home. And in that moment, in those days, I really recognized that I wanted to be part of the international physiotherapy community. You know, a lot of people ask me that question. They say, well, you know, how do we become part of that? And, you know, honestly, then I didn't know what that meant or looked like or felt like or anything like that. 
but in but as I, I, I tell the story, and we can come back to this later on, you know, I decided I was going to make myself indispensable. So I volunteered for every conceivable opportunity that arose, including within the ISCP, which is the Irish Society of Chartered Physiotherapists. And in 2015, I was elected to serve as the president of WCPT, the World Confederation for Physical Therapy, the global physiotherapy organization of which the IFSPT, which is the International Federation of Sports Physical Therapy, is a subgroup and of which the Canadian Physiotherapy Association is a member organization and of course of which Sports Physiotherapy Canada is a, a division of the CPA. So we're all connected in this big family and I got to serve as the president for four years and then in last year I um, decided that I would seek a second term as the president of WCPT and there was an election in May and I was re-elected so here I am. Um, very, very happy to and honoured to be serving a second term as president of WCPT and it's been a long journey and I'm happy to answer any specific questions about that as I always am because, you know, I think, not because I want to talk about myself but because I think sometimes people look at you and they say, how did you get there? And I'm happy to share that journey because I think that's a really important question. When you see someone in a position that you want to be in, then you need to ask them, how do they get there? Yeah, so let's talk about that. So you volunteered for everything and anything you can oh. get your hands on, it sounds like. Yeah. And I'm sure that, that helped get your foot in the door and open open things, the crack here and there. So how when did you first decide to be an elected official? So look, first of all, I reckon, you know, the thing is a lot of people sort of all I, I think physiotherapists are nervous about the volunteering thing. And um and, and, and the idea that, oh gosh, it would be terrible to volunteer if you had a, an end game. And, you know, 30 odd years ago, it'll be 30 years since I graduated next year um, as a PT. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think we had the whole, I don't know if the word networking even existed in the, in the way it does now. But I loved getting involved in things. So I was, I was very involved in the Harriers and Athletics Club here when I was in Trinity. And I, I reckon I spent more time with them than I did in my physiotherapy program. Um, so I, I just loved getting involved. And you know, when you're a junior physiotherapist or in your, the early stages of your career, in the day job, you know, and you'd know this, Karen, right? You don't always have the opportunity to do the things that you want to do because, because you're maybe limited sometimes in the organization that you're working in. And in fairness, I worked in St. James's Hospital in Dublin and there were no limitations placed on me in when I started to get momentum. But it took me a few years to get some momentum. So I started to, be I became a member of the Irish Society and I went to a meeting and they needed a member on a committee and it that's where it started. And you know, I was on a committee and then I was on another committee. And then in 1996, when I was working in Trinity, one of my friends whose office was across the corridor said to me, we're stuck for someone on the International Affairs Committee. Would you volunteer? And I think I suggest more because I was sort of trying to help her out than I wanted to necessarily do international affairs. And then, you know, it started. I just, I knew then that global physiotherapy was where my, I, I think maybe I was struggling to find my place in the Irish physiotherapy world or maybe the clinical physiotherapy world rather than the Irish physiotherapy world, the clinical physiotherapy world. And so I started um, to do some international work. So I got involved in my first international research consortium and I started to volunteer. And I, so the first international meeting that I went to was 20 years ago in 1999 in and no one paid me to get there. I paid for myself to get there. I was presenting some of my PhD research and I had gotten to know Brenda Myers. I'd met her once or twice and I 
emailed her, or no, I didn't email her. I said to her, look, I'm here. Do you need a volunteer? And I was a teller. So at the general meeting of WCPT, I helped count the votes. Now, you might not think that that's super important, but it is. Yeah, absolutely. In the governance meeting of WCPT. So I counted the votes in 1999, and then clearly I could count. And I stayed involved at the European level. And uh, in 2003, the meeting was in Barcelona. And I still wasn't on the Irish Society's uh, delegation, but I was there with some of my PhD students at that stage and some of my own research. And I went to the general meeting and Brenda said to me, well, you would you like to be the chair of the credentialing committee? And that's, and that's what I did. So in that, that was the time when you presented your credentials in, with, in paper. You brought your paperwork to the meeting. And there was something really elegant about that process. And now we do it electronically and it's a little different. Um, but I got to meet the presidents of every member organization in WCPT at that meeting. And then I finally got elected to actually the board of WCPT in 20, uh, 2006. And that was a chance. I didn't expect to get elected. I was only running to signal my interest for four years later, but I got elected. And that's, yeah, I guess the rest is history. Right. And I think the big moral of the story here is that no one's an overnight success. It's not like you one day said, I'm going to run for president of WCPT and got elected. Like you have to put the time in and, and pound the pavement, if you will, in order to kind of work your way up. And I think in the days now of social media and everything happening, having to happen immediately, yeah. it's hard. So what advice would you give to someone who maybe doesn't have the patience these days for that for the to put the work in yeah so first of all i think you have to enjoy the journey so you know i never knew it was a journey in, in many ways i i guess at some point i knew it was a journey um, and i think one of the things that i've because i've done a lot of reading around leadership and um i i think what i've been fascinated about um is this this notion that just because you try once for perhaps an elected position and you're not elected doesn't mean that you walk away. So that in, in 2006, now I don't know, would I have walked away? I don't know that I did because I actually think I would have, because I think what happened was in 2006, I had no expectation of being elected. But my plan then was to say, look, I'm interested. I know that's gonna be another four years before I'm elected or I could be elected, and I, I, I don't mind if I'm not elected this time. So I was elected, and that was pretty amazing. And interestingly, in 2011, um, I was it was suggested to me by, by a number of people that I should run for president. And I decided not to because I wasn't ready. Now, that's another conversation, which is about when are we ever ready. Right. But I think I'm very objective about my abilities. And so I had sort of decided that I didn't feel ready at, in 2011 to be elected as the president. And, but by 2015, given what I had done between 2011 and 2015, I knew that I had the experience, I had the capabilities to be a very effective um, president from the point of view, I think, of at least, maybe at least I felt I had given the organization the best shot in terms of the experience that I had gathered. So I had done a graduate business degree. 
I had done a lot of governance courses. I had been the chair of the board of charity. And I just felt, I suppose I felt from a self-efficacy perspective, and we talk about this about our patients all the time, I felt confident going in that notwithstanding what needed to be done, I was confident that I was, I was able to definitely demonstrate that I had the uh, experience to be the chair of the board of a charity based in the United Kingdom, which is what WCPT is mm-hmm. from a governance perspective. But also that I felt that I had enough experience to at least give a fairly good shot of being the president of a global organization. And they're two quite distinct parts of the role. Well, and that leads me to my next question is, uh, as president of WCPT, and for maybe the people listening, if maybe one day that's on their list, can you give a quick rundown of the roles and responsibilities of that position? Yes. And look, you know, I think let's just use a sort of a nice kind of um, balanced scorecard approach to this. So to me, when I when I ran to, I, when I sought to be elected as president in 2015, I said I would look in, I would look out, I would look to the future. And then I had a little small part of the balanced scorecard, which is, you know, that quadrant system, which was uh, about inspiring. Um, and in a way, they, they map onto the two, I think, quite distinct aspects of the presidency, which is that you are the chair of the board of an organization and a company that's based in the United Kingdom. And that brings governance, legal, fiduciary responsibilities. But you are also the president of a global organization. You are the leader in some ways, the first among equals, but nevertheless, you are in a leadership role. And my perspective on that is my job is to bring people together in the global community. And that's whether it's the physiotherapy part of the global community or the, the wider collaborative part of the global health rehabilitation community. So looking in was about ensuring that the organization with working with the board and staff and our volunteers was its best version of itself. Looking out was to start looking at who are we working with internationally? You know, What are the international organizations that we're working with? Looking to the future is about leadership. It's about creating the next generation of leaders in physiotherapy. And then the other space was about inspiring. And I suppose for me in the four years, and I'm sharing something with you that I have probably not shared with very many people. So in my narrative and the work that I do with an amazing coach um, uh, is around how do you walk with the dreamers? And I've given a few talks that talk about walk with dreamers, but it's about that idea of how do you inspire people to to do something different, to 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 get involved, to be involved in a different way, to to just grow and and I guess just to to enable us to to sort of amplify everything that we do. And I suppose for me, that's very very. It's an intangible, right? It's that sense of how do you measure that when it's very hard to measure it, right? And and you know now in the next four years that hasn't changed. So we're still looking. So I believe we need to still look in. We need to still look out. We just need to look out in a bigger, better way. We need to look to the future. And I, I feel that commitment for me over the next few years is really important in terms of what are we talking about in terms of sustainability, the next generation of leaders, the future of organizations that are just in their beginning part of the journey. And my blog, which just was posted yesterday, is about, I suppose, that, that other quadrant now I'm talking about the moon landing projects. So it's 50 years since, you know, since the first Americans landed on the moon. That it is. But I think this, that 1961 
speech that JFK gave about this idea of what, asking ourselves the question about what we should be doing, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. To me, you know, I've got four years, you know, I'm, I'm going to be president for four years, and then I go on and I just do a different part of my life. So if I had one thing that I want to do, it's about, we should be asking ourselves the question as an organization, and it's a community, what, we, what, what, what should we do because it's hard? What should we do because it's right? And, and we have to ask ourselves the hard questions, and those things are nuanced, and there's dis, dissonance in them, and they're not easy, and they're not going to be done in four years. So what are the big projects that we, what is that decade going to look like? And if you look at WHO, they have two big projects that are focused on 2030, which is, a, you know, it's almost a decade away. And I, I think we as a global community and as a global organization need to be thinking about what are we doing to help answer those questions? So I guess, yeah, that's what, does that answer the question? That is, that's the role and responsibilities yes. in a nutshell. So yeah. thank you, well, not in a, in a very large nutshell. Yeah. Um, a balanced scorecard, a nice framework. Cool. Yes, no, that's great. Thank you for sharing all of that. And, you know, I did feel that sense of global community and working together and learning um, and open-mindedness, mm -hmm. I guess, would be a yeah. good way to describe the WCPT meeting in Geneva, which was yeah. a couple of months ago. It was actually in, it was in early May. May? Gosh. It was, you know, gosh, where did that time go to? It's too much. Yeah, right? Three so, months ago, next in a couple of weeks, yeah. Two and a half months ago. But I definitely did feel that global community, and I think you know, social media has its pros and cons, and we can talk about that forever. But one of the pros is that it does certainly bring people together from all parts of the globe, and so I really felt um, a lot of camaraderie and felt like mm -hmm. I quote unquote knew people. Yeah. Even though you live in Africa or they're in Nepal or Europe or even just across the United States. Um, so I, I really enjoyed WCPT. I thought that there were some, I mean, obviously I didn't go to every session because it's impossible. Yes. But um, I went to some really great sessions that did bring up some uncomfortable questions and kind of pushed my uh, boundaries a little bit. So I really enjoyed that. But what were your biggest takeaways? Obviously, again, not that you could be in everything, everywhere, all the time. But what were a couple, maybe maybe two of your biggest takeaways, if you can whittle it down? Oh, gosh, two. Really? Well, you can oh, do more. All right. OK, but let's, let's start with the opening ceremony. Yes. So you know, the opening ceremony, so the the board, so we work really, the board and the staff work really closely together around that type of event. And, and not at the, so the board does not get involved in, you know, what color is the curtain. But they, we do make a decision about the venue because the venue has a cost implication. So, you know, so do we go for a big room where everyone is together? Or do we go for a smaller room where there's some breakout sessions? And I think what was really interesting was we had a, we had a series of conversations around that, and we finally resolved it in, um, I guess, April um, of you know, the year before the Congress, so April 2018. But the decision was, no, we are going into a big space where everyone is together. And it, and it meant that, and you will recall this, it meant that everyone had to walk 
it was a, it was a short walk from the venue of the opening ceremony to the the welcome reception, and and, and happily it wasn't raining. So, and so I don't know that anyone ever understood the amount of forwards and backwards and trade-offs on cost and logistics and the walk and everything like that. But to us as an organization, when we made that decision, the decision was we are a global organization and our strategic imperative is that we are a community where every physiotherapist feels connected and engaged. Therefore, when we have an opening ceremony, everyone is in the room. And to me, that probably has been one of the most powerful memories of my WCPT life is that that moment when everyone is in the room. And I have experienced it in the audience, but boy, experiencing it on the stage, looking out to that audience is, you know, I'm never going to forget that. that. That's a memory that I will have for the rest of my life. And I thought it was really interesting was that I never imagined, I forgot, I didn't think that it would... In my mind, you know, we're all going to walk along. It's going to be 15 minutes. We walk to the... But I don't know if you remember this, but it was that snake of people. Yeah, it was in literally a sea of people. I took pictures of it from the bridge. Yeah. Because we were walking along. This is so cool. And it was perfect because you had this melange of international physiotherapists rambling along. And they had to walk slowly, right? Because it was enforced because we weren't going anywhere in a hurry when there was, you know, 4,000 of us as we wove our way along to the opening set or to the welcome reception. And to me, I, I, I think it was a visual and a, and a physical um, representation of who we are, yeah. which is that community of people that are connected and better because we are connected. Yeah, I really- So that, that to me was, it, it, could only, it could only go downhill from there, right? Cause that was just like, it was fabulous. So in terms of specific content, um, I completely loved the diversity and inclusion session. And I think that was, I was you know, that was a focused symposium. It was peer reviewed. It was submitted. It was an amazing team of uh, fabulous uh, physiotherapists from all over the world mm-hmm. and a stellar audience. And, yeah. and to me, that was, you know, that was both uh, literally and symbolically uh, immensely powerful in terms of what it is that we are doing as a community and in the closing ceremony i said you know i felt that the that the three themes that came together were diversity inclusion and humanity and that's not to take away from the content the science the practice content the clinical content i'm not taking away from that but i think what we've started to do is bring us up we have started to lift our eyes as a global community and now more than ever we need to do that because of the stuff that is happening in our world. So, you know, we, we, just, we just need to raise the level of our conversation. Of course, everyone needs science and they need evidence-informed clinical practice. Mm-hmm. We need humanity in our conversations. And if, if we're not doing it as a global community, then I don't know who else should be doing it. And to me, the diversity and inclusion session was fabulous. Um, We had an amazing session on education, talking about the education framework policy piece. But you know, what I think really emerged from the the Congress was, and a big shout out to anyone in education is, we need to revive our educators network. We need a global community of educators that are having conversations with one another. And we need to do it whatever way we can do it. 
I think the other session that, that I loved was the advanced practice one because that's a big conversation. And it's a big conversation that spans not just high income countries, but low, low middle income countries. It, it's, it, you know, we, if we look to ensuring that we have universal health coverage, then you know, the World Health Organization is talking about this billion level of health workforce shortage. And we are a solution. We're a solution in so many ways. And we need to start having those conversations around how are we the solution? And one of the ways that we are a solution is around advanced practice. And then I guess the other one that I just loved, and I'm really sorry that so many people were actually turned away from the door oh, doing this, and we will and we'll talk about this, was the um, the one that started to take that editorial from editorial to action. And you know, the stellar minds that were involved in that. Yes. And the, the, you know, so so Peter O'Sullivan and Jeremy Lewis wrote the editorial. You know, Karim, who was the editor, was going to facilitate that that session, but couldn't because he had other commitments, but was at Congress, which was amazing. Uh, and then we had, you know, our speakers, uh, Chidozi and Pamela and Boris and um, um, our uh, Saurabh from uh, Nepal, you know. So what we had was we had health insurance, we had, we had the physicians, we had physiotherapists from the low middle income countries. In that room, and I think what's What's brilliant is, we, you know, there's a, you know, I'm, I wouldn't, I'd love to suggest that I was writing it, but I'm not. I'm just, you know, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm there in the background saying, hey, look, the brilliant minds are out there. You do your work. So we're going to have a nice, I hope, a nice publication around that. But, but, but my, that, this is one of the moon landing projects, right? This is, if we want to have this paradigm shift, what does WCPT need to be doing in terms, and what does the global community need to be doing? But what, what can we facilitate? around this, this is another moon landing project. What does that look like? You know, how do we change the way um, we ensure that the delivery of rehabilitation and physiotherapy is um, the best version of itself? Yeah, For yeah that, that was a uh, definitely a very popular yeah. session. Yeah. And everybody like, Pete, afterwards, Peter O'Sullivan was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was gonna be that many people there. Um, but that was like, uh, it looked really great. I was watching yeah. from, I was going to another session. Um, yeah, to of course. Friend, yeah. yeah. My friend, um, Christina, um, yeah. present her research. But it was good to follow along with all of the tweets and the social media from there. And I was interacting. And after Boris was like, so what did you think? Did you like the session? I was like, I wasn't in it. And he was like, yeah. what? But I thought you were there because you were tweeting. I'm like, well, yeah. I can keep up. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, look, I, I, you know, I think one of the things that so we are we are a learning journey, and you know, I, and there was a trade off, right? So, yeah, I think um, I think Peter and Jeremy were really keen to get a very very interactive session, because because there was there was data that needed to be developed from this, you know. So we were there was data being gathered as a result within this session, which was a very interactive, um, you know session and i think that's that's really important yeah but you trade off that of course with um you know you go for a smaller room with very interactive session of course or you go for a big space with 500 people in it um, yeah. but you lose a granularity in terms of detail plus the editorial was only published in june you know less than a year before the meeting 
Right. So that's the other thing, right? You're, you know, you're, you're not planning four years because I mean, it wasn't four years. And so that's where you're trying to do the responsiveness piece, which is, you know, a hot editorial, which was big on big ideas. You know, yeah. so, 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 you know, the conversation then is, well, it's, of course, that's the choice of the editorial, which is big ideas. Now let's just talk about enactment. How do you, what does that look like in terms, well, A, can it work beyond high income countries, but B, what does it look like in terms of the next steps? So it is, so, you know, I, I acknowledge that, that that was a big challenge and there was a lot of people who were very disappointed, but it, was a, it wasn't a keynote session. It was a right. session that was around from editorial to right. active. It, it was a network yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It needed to be a granular session. Yeah. You and know, I get I we, should, we should talk about, you know, how do we keep that conversation going? And that's where I think things exactly. like the, the meeting in the, the conference in Vancouver, I bumped a year later, then yeah. Congress a year after that, start to allow us to start a plan for those conversations to move forward. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a, a, a good thing to hopefully bring to uh, Vancouver and yeah. allow people to see, well, what did come out of that yeah. session yeah. at WCPT, yeah. and then how can we expand on that? Exactly. Well, good, so, okay, so let's shift gears quickly. Yeah. Sure. Um, and you kind of alluded to your research earlier yeah. and that you were started your research in the 90s. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, a long time ago. Okay, and I know that a lot of your research centers around leadership. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your research, number one, yeah. and then number two, how does that research kind of guide you in your day-to-day -day function uh, within your your job and your profession. Sure. Yeah, so so my in, in initially my research was very clinically based research. Um, and then in 2010, I made a decision. So, I, so first of all, let's put it out there. I'm not a researcher, right? So I'm not gonna be anyone ever with a high H index. That's not my, that does not give me joy in my life. My, my joy is around amplifying other people's research, which is why, you know, my joy is around saying that editorial was amazing. Now let's see how we can get it to the next steps. But nevertheless, I am an academic and therefore it's really important that my research informs my teaching. You know, we, we are a research-led institution both here in Trinity, but also where I'm working now at Catter University. And so it's really important that when, when we teach, we, we are teaching, our research informs our teaching. So in 2010, I had an amazing opportunity to take a sabbatical. I'd finished my graduate business degree. I'd suddenly discovered that you could actually learn about leadership. And I had suddenly thought, hey, you know what? Let's look at what's happening in physiotherapy research and leadership. Answer, nothing at all. Not a lot. <laughs> no, not a lot at all. And, and you know, then you ask yourself the question, well, that's fine. You know, do we need to be doing research and leadership and physiotherapy? And the answer is actually, interestingly, we do. Because a lot of research, because, because we know obviously more and more about leadership is that leadership is context specific. So it's very contextually informed. It's also very contingent around, you know, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. But increasingly the conversation around leadership in healthcare is leadership is not a role, it's a mindset, right? You lead from the edges. What about transformational leadership? It's moving from the transactional you know, nature to the transformational. And so that's what I was doing. If you think about it, my, my, my practice in physiotherapy was around you know, working with organizations in either leadership roles or being part of other people who were leading projects and you know, being in the followership role or the participant role. And so I made probably what's a career limiting decision, which is that I actually stopped doing clinical research. 
and said, okay, I'm, I, yeah, my research now is around professional practice issues. I will research what I practice. And my practice is global physiotherapy, right? So my practice is, so I worked uh, on that year in my sabbatical with Tracy Burry around direct access and we did a global. We're now looking at sort of processing the results um, of, um, you know, a really interesting survey around advanced practice and a global survey around that. And, you know, I'm, so now I'm not the, I'm not the doer, I'm the, the person who's part of a team and the next generation of fantastic researchers are doing the research. So I want to give a, you know, big shout out to Andrews Chawea who's doing amazing work on the advanced practice survey and also Imer McGowan who has done, you know, she was my PhD student and my postdoc, and she's done a huge amount of the research around leadership, and I've had the privilege of being along for the ride, which is fabulous, and that's what you get to do as a PhD supervisor, so that's wonderful. Um, and so the research has been around leadership and physiotherapy, but we've worked around with the global community around some of the research that's happening, and there's very little in physiotherapy, and that's a shame. But actually what's interesting is there's more and more, and that's good. Um, there's a huge canon of research around leadership in nursing and for doctors, yep. They come from a, their provenance is different. And so I don't think we should underestimate doing a lot of really good research around understanding the physiotherapy perspective and understanding and enactment of leadership, because I think that helps us start to understand where we might have some weaknesses or some behaviors where we're reluctant to get involved. And I suppose that for me is around how do we have those conversations both from a research perspective, but also from a day-to-day -day practice perspective. Right, and then you kind of answered the question of how does it affect your day-to-day -day leadership abilities? And I think you just answered that because you're finding your weaknesses as a whole within the profession. And I'm sure that can make you a little more introspective to see if you're either contributing to those oh, weaknesses yeah. or helping to overcome them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. I did a really interesting thing of, of, of just before I finished my first term as president. And I don't know if, it, if you've done this or if anyone ha has, but I did it at, three, at 360. So I had 11 people do the leadership practices inventory. So I did it and then 11 observers did it. And then four people did in-depth interviews. Oh, let me tell you. That is, that was a, so first of all, I'm indebted to the 11 people who participated and who gave up their time to do the leadership practices inventory about me, but also the four people who did in-depth interviews. And they were, you know, so they were people within and external to the global physiotherapy community. And, oh, gee, that was interesting. You know, that was, uh, I learned a lot about myself, you know, and, you know, and interestingly, I'd done a reflection beforehand, sort of predicting what they might say. And there were no surprises. There was a lot of reinforcement. Uh, and, you know, so I obviously, you know, and you do the thing, right? The 80-20 thing, which is you focus on the 20% of stuff that you're not best at. Of course. Yeah. I had focused on that and I was, you know, so there was no surprises. But nevertheless, it is salutary to, to hear people say it about you. And, you know, and, and some... And across, you know, so this wasn't two or three people. This was 11 people saying similar things about me. And I've just spent two weeks with my family, uh, like l way more time with my family that I'm spending a long time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I see where that comes from. Oh, how interesting. So I've done a 360 with my colleagues and I've spent two weeks with my family. And yeah, yeah, I, I you know, I get it. You know, when yeah. you're shopping with your nieces perspective. who are seven and nine and they're saying, I think we should buy a to-do list notebook. And I'm like, what do you think I need one? Oh yeah, 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 yeah you'll definitely use it to do this now. I'm like, okay, 
all right. So they're seven and nine and they're seeing the list already, you know, so it's fascinating. So I think you get, I think for me, it's about where do the data points come from and yeah. ensuring that you get them from people who will tell you the truth in a trusting, positive way. And so I yeah. do the research and then I do the granular stuff, which is hard, but yeah, but you have to do it if you are committed to being the best version of yourself in the service of the role that you're in. Yeah, yeah, and in the service of others. Yeah, and am I going to get any better at it? I'm not sure. You know, am I going to get any more impatient? Am I going to get any better at listening? Am I going to be any better at um, pressing the pause button? I don't know, but I'm going to try. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I'm going to try anyway, you know? You know, I think the the good thing is that you're now aware of some of these, of some of these, and I, I don't want there, cause I don't think they're false, but you're aware of that side of your personality. Yeah. And I think maybe it's not that I wasn't aware of it. It's more that it was reinforced about the impact that it has on people. Yes. So, you know, you know, if you'd ask me, honestly, did I find out anything from the 360 that I didn't know about myself? The answer is no, but has it made me face up to it? and acknowledge its impact on others, yes. And am I taking responsibility for trying to be a better version of myself? Yeah, sure I am, because you don't do this without taking it on to the next phase of the journey, right? Yeah, you don't just read it and say, okay. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, very cool, well, thank you for that. I'm, I have to, I'm gonna look into, into that yeah. myself. Very it's cool. It's really important, it's managed very well. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you know we're talking about WCPT and and all of these yeah. international organizations, and you do a lot of traveling and yeah. meeting a lot of different people. So you have a very wide network. So what are your top tips for physiotherapists who are trying to build their professional network? Two up, two down, two sideways, and we've talked about this before, I think. Which is I I, I this is not my rule. I I got it from um, a really good friend of mine who got it from someone else, a colleague of his. And um, the idea that if, so networking is not, so, so networking is really natural to some people. Like they just, they're good at it, right? Yes. But for a lot of people it's not. So, so I think the first thing is the two up, two down, two sideways rule. And I think what's really interesting is when you say it out loud, you can start to use it um, in that way. So um, two up, two down, two sideways is, um, so you're at a meeting and you want to meet two people who are ahead of you in their journey. So, and and that's, you know, you, you you get ready, you identify them in advance, or you don't, you just happen to meet them. But but for a lot of people, it's about working and saying, okay, these are two people that I want to meet, okay? And you're prepared and you you don't randomly want to bump into them, but you have an ask of them maybe, or, or not. Maybe you just want to connect with them because you admire the work that they've done. Uh, two sideways is two people that you want to connect with who are your peers, right? So two people that you've met on Twitter that you say, okay, I want to meet that person in person. Yeah, I want to see that person. And then two down are two people who are ahead of you, at the behind you in the journey. So students and, you know, PhD students, you know, so if you're a little ahead of them in the journey, who are they, you know, and, and you know, who can you help along the way? So. And, and so what's really interesting is, I think it's a great rule. So you're at a meeting, who are your two up, two down, two sideways? I love so it. What's really interesting is, if you know the rule and the person you're working talking to knows the rule, it's great fun. 
So I was at a meeting where a physiotherapist came up to me and said, have you done your two? So I had talked about this in a lecture a few months before and he came up and he said, have you done your two down yet? I'm like, sorry? He said, have you done your two down? I said, no, I haven't. And he said, can I be one of them? Oh, that's so cool. And I said, sure you can. How can I help you? And so we ended up having a conversation and I was able to do some stuff for him and that was fantastic. And I thought, hey, you know what? That's great. So that's it's the first awesome. That's that's I think it's fantastic. So plan for your two up, two down, two sideways, or be ready for your two up, two down, two sideways. And you know, I, I still do that. I mean, I still think about okay, who are the two people in the world that are gonna be helpful for WCPT? Who do I need to interact with? You know, and I don't necessarily always know who they are now, but it's in that moment I'm like, okay, I've got my card ready. Let me tell you who I am. Do you think I can connect with you about this conversation or this presentation that you made. Um, so the other thing then is about looking around the room. And I think this is both as someone who wants to network, but also someone who's potentially in a situation where you can open the circle. So it's about physically looking at the room. It was a great piece of advice that I got. Sorry, I'm just gonna take a little drink. Yeah, sure. A great piece of information I got, which is when, when, when circles are closed, so if it's me, you, and one other person, and we're in a huddle, that's very hard for someone to come into. And sometimes that's okay because sometimes you are having a meeting and you don't necessarily, you need to have that conversation. But also sometimes it's about how do we keep that circle open to welcome someone in? Or if you see someone on the periphery, to bring them in. Yep. So so it's about the physicality of the space. So that, you know, are you, and so sometimes it's about being polite and saying, look, oh, are you having a meeting? Or if, and sometimes people are having a meeting, right? They are genuinely saying, look, we're actually having a conversation. But sometimes it's about looking around the room where you see the open spaces and coming in and saying, oh, hello, I'm so-and-so, knowing that, that that circle is open to have someone come in. Yeah. But also I think as people who are in spaces, recognizing if you see someone out of the corner of your eye who might be hovering, have the generosity to bring them in and say, oh, hey, do you want to join us? Well, and sometimes, so for me, a lot of the time, what I do is I bring someone in because I know they might want to connect with someone and I say, okay, you guys are connected. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to lead it to it and I'm going to move on. Yeah. I yeah. feel like Karim Khan is the king of that, by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. 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 The yeah. king of like, oh, did you want to come with me? This is it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Like, he is the king of connecting people like that at different conferences. He's done that for me so many times. And I don't know how I'm always like, what can I do for this man? Because he, I feel like he's done so much. And oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's so good. And I love he's that amazing. you down two sideways. I'm going to remember that when I go to Vancouver. Yeah, it's, it's a great room, you know, and maybe we need to produce a little card to up to that, like a dance card. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe we can do that for yeah. sports congress. Ooh, I'm definitely doing that. And you know, like a dance card. Too. Yes. Right. Oh, that's such a good idea. I'm sideways. We could do a nice image of us, right? Yes. Yeah. That's such a great idea. Right. And then maybe the maybe one of the maybe one of the sponsors or one of the yeah. You know, because they could have a little piece of the, the sponsorship piece at the back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that, you know, Chris is listening in on this. So I'm Chris, sure. Shout out to a sponsor. Yes. Yeah. Get these cards okay. made for everyone. Let's, let's go online on that conversation because I think I might have an idea. 
Ooh, and then if you really want people to kind of get into it, you can kind of fill it out with the person's name and then hand it in and win a prize at the end. Precisely, and yeah. So look, let's go offline on this one. I think I have some nice ideas yeah. about this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. And and I love the bringing someone in. And and when we were in uh, Switzerland, Christina Yi, who I yeah. Christina Lee, that I was um, yeah. that I was with, and yeah. you know we we had met in. Um, Copenhagen at Sports Congress yes, and decided yes. that we could all stay yes. together at WCPT. And you know, we were just walking around and she gave me a compliment that no one's ever given me before, but it might have been one of the best compliments I've ever received. And she's like, you know, you are so good at making sure people are involved in conversations. Like you're so good at bringing people in and you're so good if someone's not saying anything of, you know, making sure there's space for them. She's like, that is, she's like, so I'm learning from that. That is week. fantastic. And it is a great gift of yours because you are so present in the moment when we're having conversations. So you're yeah. very um, sensitized, I think, to the people in the room or the space that we're in. So you do connect people in a way that is fantastic and it's a huge gift. And I think the fact that you don't even notice that you're doing it means that it's, that it's a great gift for you. I yeah. Think I think sometimes, and, and that's, you know, that is wonderful. I think for, for a, so you have, you know, you've internalized that as probably just a natural part of who you are. And I think for other people, it might not be intuitive, but it's a great thing to remember. And the yeah. other thing to remember is the 20 second rule or the two minute rule, but we have the rule, which is, yeah. you know, you and I, you know, we meet people all over the world. So people meet people all over the world, right? And you're never necessarily going to remember everyone's name. So right. I have a rule, which is if I'm standing chatting to someone and the person I'm with who knows me mm -hmm. hasn't been introduced within 30 seconds, the cue is introduce yourself because either A, I've forgotten because I'm so taken up in the conversation. Yeah. It's not beyond the bounds of belief. You know, it happens very regularly. Sure. Or secondly, I've had that moment where I'm suddenly thinking, I don't know that I remember this person's name or I'm not sure enough that I remember their full name so just introduce yourself. So if, yeah. you're, so if you're with me and we're in a conversation, you will always do it, right? You'll say, oh, hey, I'm Karen. She's forgotten to introduce me. That's fine. But but it's, it's also, a, it's a very polite way of getting over that moment of, A, she's forgotten because she's just taken up with the conversation, or B, yeah. she hasn't done it because she's suddenly thinking, I'm having a panic. I remember exactly where I met the person. Yeah. And I remember their name. And, you know, sometimes I can't. And I put my hand up and say I can't. Yeah, but I can usually remember exactly where I've met the person. Yes. But I won't I'm be sure good. enough about their name. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good at faces. And sometimes, like, if I'm with some, like, a friend of mine and I yeah. see someone, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know this person. I know this about them, this yeah. about them, but I don't know their name. So when we go up, we'll start chatting, and then I want you to introduce and Then I want you to introduce yourself. So I'll preface the person I'm with. I'm like, yeah. I, can, I might know their backstory. I've read them. I know, but I can't Absolutely. think of their Yeah. So, you know, do the 30-second rule, which is when you're with a friend right. who hasn't introduced you, just introduce yourself. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Third World Congress. What are you going to be speaking on? So, um, well, there you go. I'm going to be speaking on leadership and, you know, um, you know, how fabulous is that? And look, I'm just, I'm so excited about being there. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm so honored to be invited because I was invited a couple of years ago and, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily going to be the president of WCPT again, right? So, um, and I said to the 